the sisterhood of the bottomless mimosa. Hi, Melissa, are you there? I'm here. Is that you, CJ? It is. Oh my God, how amazing. Ended up on the same podcast. What a shock. What are you what are you um, doing in this podcast? How did you get do you here? podcast? Do you podcast your often? Sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> um so I'm Melissa. And I'm CJ. And this is The Sisterhood the of the Bottomless Sisterhood Mimosa. of the Bottomless Mimosa. Um so do you want to tell the lovely people what this podcast is? I do. Um, hi, Sisterhood of the Bottomless Mimosa. So Melissa and I have known each other for a few years, and we love just drinking and chopping it up about everything under the sun in very raunchy and hysterical ways. And we thought it would be nice for us and maybe other people on planet Earth to listen to us talk about stuff while we drink. Uh, so hopefully we're not delusional, but specifically we thought it would be a cool way for us to uplift women, um, who are either super badass that you've never heard of, or perhaps women that you already know about, but talk about some badass facts that are maybe a little less known, um, and less talked about in the mainstream. So that's the gist of the podcast. It's basically going to be her and I drinking and talking about women. So if you don't like drinking and you don't like women and you don't like podcasts, then I have no idea what you're doing here. <laughs> because this is called Sisterhood of the Bottomless Mimosa. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we're both drinking. Melissa, what are you drinking? Well, I am drinking a like six seven dollar boxed wine from trader joe's that's what i'm talking about um it's sauvignon blanc i've actually had it for two weeks and it's still good oh my god but the fact that it's like hasn't been consumed yet in two weeks is honestly the shocking part Um, so like did you just open it today or did you open it two weeks ago no i opened it two weeks ago but because it's like bagged it like it doesn't go bad i mean i think (laughs) hashtag bag don't go bad so we're looking for a sponsorship from franzia any fucking time um but it's like this is i like definitely advise everybody to take part in this trader joe's box wine it is absolutely gigantic and it's so cheap and it has 13 percent alcohol okay i mean it's definitely not the best sauvignon blanc i've ever had but for the price (laughs) and the convenience it is um i'd say you know it's pretty it's pretty good deal it's worth checking out at the t joe's yeah you should you should go for it what are you drinking I am drinking, so it's not boxed wine, but I bought it in a box. So I am drinking canned wine. Nice. I, too, am quite classy. Um, And this one's purchased. (laughs) I got the box bag. You've got the can. Like, three things that no one in the world ever thought wine would be in, but we managed to do that. 2018, baby. Um, so this is, per- was purchased at the whole, at the Whole Foods, or as I like to call it, the Whole Paycheck. Um, <laughs> and it is called Presto Sparkling Cuvée, and it is Ew. imported from Italy. Oh my God, mine is only 11% alcohol by volume. I'm so jealous. You've got two percentage points on me. Yeah. Um, <sighs> you're going to get 13, so much drunk yeah. on me. Yeah. <sighs> I've already had three of these, though, so this came in a four-pack. I thought it'd be a good way for me to not drink too much, but I've already had three, so, I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Go big or go home. Turn strong, baby. Italian wine. Um, Yeah, that's the wine review. I think, should we just, like, should we spend, oh, let's talk about how we know each other. So, it's it's funny. I was actually just telling my friends this a couple of days ago when they asked who I'm starting a podcast with, and the best way that I described you to them was my initial first impression of you, which I don't know if I've actually ever told you this oh, before, God. I'm ready but it is my favorite thing about you, which is why we're friends today, oh, is God. the day that I walked into our sociology class, and I 
you were sporting a Davy Crockett hat. (laughs) (laughs) I fucking still have that hat. I know you do. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that Davy Crockett hat just stood out to me and called my name. And I was like, you know what? I think we could make really great friends. So we basically met at um, college at San Francisco State University. And we, I believe you and I both were like, going back to college like I had just Correct. dropped out of college and I don't remember what your sitch was but we I were had like, dropped back in <laughs> yeah, we were both <laughs> dropping back into college basically <laughs> and it turned out that we had a couple things in common we liked to drink and we liked to get high so um often our oh. often our <laughs> hangout sessions included um in the middle of class time where we would leave and go smoke weed behind the building or, or we'd go bar. to the campus bar yeah. yeah that was a good one um still managed to pass all our classes so i'd say it was a success absolutely we graduated we have the degrees to prove it <laughs> we have the pictures to prove it we have the pictures to prove it and i so i love that you told that story about the davy crockett hat because full circle like you're on a mushroom trip i just yesterday booked a trip to the grand canyon um for my birthday which i'm super fucking stoked about and i bought that hat that i still wear to this day in the grand canyon at a gift store oh my god it has done me so so well well Um, i hope the next time you go to the grand canyon you get another hat that you can also wear your entire life i will wear it every time we record this podcast yeah you really should (laughs) i will buy it in honor of this podcast um i do i have anything to add to that not really i think you covered the basics we drank we got high we graduated college i mean we're just you were living the american dream we really we really did live the dream (laughs) and now you know we're just like scraping by to make ends meet also the american dream so Mm -hmm. yeah that's perfect yeah so welcome to the cast (laughs) sweet should i should i kick start the uh episode one adventure oh oh wait wait wait. i forgot we're gonna do rules real quick um and kind of just let people know what the what the dill is as in pickle i'm sorry i'm gonna make a lot of jokes (laughs) like that i'm so sorry please don't hit me um so I don't even think we can go we don't even need to go over rules but basically we are just as I said before we're going to talk about badass women and we have made a commitment not to tell each other who we've picked for the week so that we can have like real yas queen yes responses that are sincere when we're telling each other about these women yas queen (laughs) yas yas uh <laughs> melissa go for it girl i want to know i'm so fucking excited i have no idea i know i'm really really excited to see what your initial response is to my woman okay, okay so okay, i've okay. been i've been waiting two weeks for this just so you know oh, same okay <sighs> okay so for most people that know me they know that i'm pretty much obsessed with like any band that occurred during the 60s and the 70s one of those bands being the Beatles. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. While I, of course, love the Beatles, I have a bone to pick with them. And that bone, my friends, is Yoko Ono. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> yes. Girl, tell me everything. Okay. So most people, when they think of Yoko or know of Yoko or have heard anything about Yoko, all you get is the fact that she broke up the Beatles. That is pretty much the only thing that anybody thinks about when they think about her. True. Which is really, really shitty because she has done so many unbelievable things for the world, for communities, for women. And she was an unbelievable artist. Um, that she doesn't get credit for Hmm. so um in my research that i've been doing on her like dude my when i was writing my notes they were like 14 pages long it was like my college thesis (laughs) i had to edit myself down a hundred times it was really hard to like figure out what to keep and what to not keep because basically everything is incredible so i'm gonna interrupt you for one second yeah like quit fronting like you ever wrote a 14 page essay in your fucking life (laughs) 
that is the biggest I, lie. Yeah, and also we didn't have a thesis. The only thing that I did was um, intern with Clay, um, basically listening to Mariah Carey and Prince and like writing notes that were for her book. That was my thesis. SF State, baby. Yeah. So anyway, um, bear with me. I hope it's not too long, uh, but everything is just super relevant. So I'm going to spit some knowledge on you motherfuckers um, and do a little Yoko 101 to remind everybody how fucking awesome this woman is. So here's the little backstory on Yoko. Uh, She was born in Tokyo in 1933 to a super, super wealthy family. Um, She always had a pretty rocky relationship with her parents. Um, Her mom was a like super critical bitch and like basically thought she was ugly Mm -hmm. and her father constantly tried to shut down her artistic talent which is seriously hysterical because he was a failed classical pianist so clearly he couldn't like handle the thought of his daughter succeeding in something that he failed at dick what a dick um so yeah she always had kind of like rocky relationship with those two assholes then one day in 1945 the u.s bombed the shit out of tokyo which resulted in Yoko's father being captured and held prisoner of war while the rest of her family took shelter in a bunker and had to barter for food. So they basically went from being like unbelievably rich to as poor as poor gets and Mm. scraping by just to like feed themselves. Um, Which kind of in a sense is what sort of inspired her lifelong mission to promote peace because she experienced like the worst thing of war mm-hmm. um so yeah anyways many years later her family ended up moving to new york she attended sarah lawrence university which she ultimately ended up dropping out of high five to yoko um <laughs> she still loved meeting artists poets and other people that represented the bohemian lifestyle and she was inspired to begin and publicly display her own art which again haters gonna hate everybody considered it too radical and they basically despised her artwork but regardless she was invited to like be a part of this fluxus group which was like this new up-and-coming community of artists in new york that were in the avant-garde genre is that how you is that how you say it it, it sounds good so yeah i think so i want to i was really stuck on the word fluxus what the f- that yeah sounds, that's what, what they called that that's what they called themselves the fluxus that sounds, group that's amazing yeah and so it was basically the most radical and experimental art movement of the 60s mm-hmm. and it predominantly included all men but mm-hmm. she was invited to be a part of it but yoko being yoko was like nah fuck y'all i'm independent but like we can collaborate here and there but like i ain't gonna yes, be a part of your group yoko, yes. um but she still was friends with all these fools so um she was associated with all of them and they often overshadowed or overshadowed her because they were men and they were more powerful and people didn't give a fuck about her so she often felt isolated within the community but then she ended up using that to her advantage by writing strange short stories and poems um but she was a super super powerful female presence among the fluxus group which has also been said um to be a major influence among the feminist movement altogether a lot of her art um focused on the female body so that's why people thought it was radical and shouldn't be happening hmm. but um so yoko had three husbands yes get it girl yes her first was a composer named toshi ichi yanagi um and they would host their own concerts like inside of their apartment and yoko would perform some of her own pieces one of her most notable was a piece where she took eggs and jello out of her fridge and smeared them onto a canvas and when she was done she lit a match and set it on fire so here's what makes me mad about that is i've done that and nobody called it art okay i know i've lit a lot of things on fire and nobody appreciated it so i smeared shit from my fridge all over stuff in my apartment multiple times but like you know what more respect to her for becoming an artist with that shit yeah um but then one day she divorced that fool and she ended up <laughs> actually landing in a mental institution um, after suffering like very severe clinical depression. Um, th- but like still somehow 
in this mental institution, she managed to meet her next husband, who <laughs> was named Anthony Cox, and he was a jazz musician and a film producer and art promoter, and that motherfucker literally busted her ass out of the institution. Wait, so was he a patient there? Like, how did she know? I don't know. I don't, I couldn't figure out, I couldn't find like how they actually met, but okay. Yeah. So he busted her out of the institution and then they started doing like hardcore work together. Um, and he really was actually like a very large influence in her starting to like gain recognition as an actual artist. Okay. But as usual, she divorced that fucker too. And again, that exact same year ended up marrying Lennon. So it's like, girl does not waste any time um, <laughs> getting wifed up. It's like, I can't even get a second date and this bitch is like, already has her next husband before her marriage has even ended. Girl, so, you need to you do that like egg yolk on canvas shit. That's what I know. Are. That's what they're into. So um, once she married John Lennon, that unfortunately kickstarted a really horrendous uh, custody battle between her and Anthony over their daughter, Kyoko. Oh, so they had um, a kid. They had a kid, and he ended up getting full custody, and he kidnapped Kyoko and, like, hightailed it never to be seen from or heard from ever again. Um, Yoko ever again? and John's... Well, they did... I'll get to it. Yoko and John ended up searching for Kyoko for, like, years. They never found her. In 1971, she recorded a song, Don't Worry, Kyoko, as an effort to reach out to her daughter, who she finally ended up seeing 23 years later. It turned out that her psychotic ex-husband kidnapped Kyoko, changed her name to Ruth Holman, and raised her in a religious cult called (gasps) the Church of Living Word. What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? How do you know how they how they ended up finding each other? Um, I think I don't remember how they ended up finding each other, but I think like whatever how she was probably Kyoko was probably way older, like that those right. twenty three years later, and I'm sure she probably was like, What the fuck? Where's my mom? Oh my god, I and wanna it's believe like, that she heard the song and it like called to her. I wanna believe right? that. I know. I want to believe that's it, too. So f- Girl, that's so fucked up. I had no idea. Yeah, so fucked up. Like, but, like, how nuts is that guy? He busts her out of a mental institution, and then he kidnaps her daughter and, like, changes her name and raises her in a cult. Sweet, bro. Um, so, yeah, now this sort of brings us into the Beatles days, where Yoko basically kickstarted her journey into destroying the most popular boy band in history, just for the fun of it. Haha. <laughs> so, uh, John and Yoko, they met at a gallery in London, where she was preparing one of her art exhibits. Lennon was, of course, unimpressed with her work, but he did enjoy a piece called Ceiling Painting Yes Painting that had a ladder with a spyglass at the top. When he climbed the ladder, he looked through the spyglass ga- and saw the word yes which he said was a positive um like image in a time where most like most of the concept art he encountered was really negative Hmm. um and then he was also intrigued by a piece called hammer a nail where viewers were meant to hammer a nail into a wood board creating the art piece themselves um i love it (laughs) although the exhibit Although the exhibit had not yet opened, John, of course, wanted to hammer the nail and, like, partake in the experiment, but Yoko didn't let and him. Then, and, and then he hammered that fucking nail. You know what I'm saying? Well, <laughs> <laughs> so the gallery owner yelled at her and was like, don't you know who this guy is? He's a millionaire. Like, let him hammer, hammer the fucking nail. And she had heard of the Beatles, but, like, basically didn't give a fuck. Like, she just wasn't impressed. And so <laughs> she told him that he could participate as long as he paid her five shillings to which Lennon responded I'll give you an imaginary five shillings and hammer an imaginary nail don't you just gotta love acid I swear And she was like, done. Are you married? What's going on? She was on? like, done. So in 1969, they ended up getting married and they spent their honeymoon in Amsterdam where they held a week long bed in for peace. Right. Have you heard of this? I have. Yeah. 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 They literally spent their honeymoon laying in bed for an entire week while the press stood in their hotel room and filmed them. And apparently the press was expecting them to be like having sex, but they were really disappointed to find that they were just sitting there with pajamas and talking about peace. I bet in for peace at least twice a week. I just want to put it out there. (laughs) I bet 
in for peace the entire day from 11 a.m. until 4 p.m. <laughs> I'm just saying we should be famous too. That's all I'm saying. No, I totally agree. Um, so then later they had another bed in for peace in Montreal where they recorded a song, Give Peace a Chance. And Lennon later states in his regrets about giving Paul McCartney credit as the co-writer instead of giving it to Yoko, who had actually written it with him. Mm-mm. not cool Mm-mm. uh the beatles ended up breaking up in 1970 at the hands of an evil seductress witch which forced yoko and john to flee to new york in order to escape tabloid racism toward yoko so basically the entire uk hated her and they attacked her like after the beatles broke up they constantly attacked her in the media and definitely were pretty rude in regards to her race oh so God. That's kind of an interesting um, thing we can discuss about later. Yeah. Uh, But they ended up separating. John had an affair with his secretary or someone. Then they got back together because, well, you know, witch powers. And then they had a child named Sean. John Lennon was murdered five years later in 1980, and Yoko was a witness at very close range. After the murder, she went into complete seclusion for a super, super long time. Mm. Um, So that's kind of the backstory on her. But after, basically after the murder, um, like I had said earlier, she was criticized by the press and the public, and she was obviously blamed for breaking up the Beatles, and um, Mm. everyone hated her art. Basically, she just was like the everyone was just like this world sucks with Yoko. Like she's the worst thing. She was just like a fucking pariah. Yeah, basically. Um, Which this is super funny because I was really found this super interesting in my research her name as like a negative still stands true today and like other people's relationships in the celebrity world so like for instance courtney love has constantly been compared to yoko for her supposed Mm. bothersome role in nirvana and being blamed for his suicide um apparently jessica simpson who was dating some like dallas cowboy quarterback tony romo um has been called yoko romo and she's been blamed for his bad performances in football oh my god and more recently some chick named perry edwards who's like a member of some girl band named lil mix um has also been compared to yoko and being criticized for being the reason why zayn malik left the band one direction um so basically it's just like one of those situations where instead of like men taking responsibility for their own fuck-ups right we just have to like point at like the closest woman that we can blame it on instead right, right. oh my Which, god like john never comes by the house to get drunk and piss out of our window anymore because joan won't let him like oh no <laughs> fucking travesty right? of life <laughs> yeah and you know what it's funny because when I was like reading all this stuff I was like you know what I can fucking relate to Yoko because pretty much every relationship I've ever been in um all of my boyfriend's friends despised me for the sole fact of like I took their bro you know and it's like get over it like go fuck yourself well so, like, the other thing too like not just that idea of like you stole him from us but i think a lot of the time it's like when you not to be cheesy because i'm the least romantic person on planet earth but like when you actually have a loving connection with someone it inspires you to do things differently and to better your life and like maybe maybe they just got their shit together bruh <laughs> right <laughs> like, that but no it's, it's definitely feel... her fault yeah yeah oh no it's for sure her fault um But it's funny because John Lennon, before he died, once described his wife as the world's most famous unknown artist. Everybody knows her, but nobody knows what she does. So Mm. this brings me to slapping a little education on you fuckers and telling you what the hell Yoko has done. Because honestly, all of this was a complete surprise to me. And I'm hoping that everything I'm saying is a fact. Um, (laughs) But sometimes you can't trust the internet. So let's just leave that. So, basically, in her lifetime, she has produced 32 albums, seven of which were collaborations with John Lennon. She's released 41 singles, starting from 1971 up until 2016, and she's appeared in 14 of John Lennon's singles. She's written 13 books, she's directed 21 short films, two of which were collaborations with John Lennon, and she's acted or appeared as herself in six different TV shows and movies. Okay, Um, Yoko... 
Right? Yeah. Like, I, I'm so glad you picked her because I, that's all I know about Yoko Ono, too. Well, that and that her Twitter. Have you fucking checked out her Twitter? Yoko Ono says deep shit on Twitter. Like, I might, I'm going to keep talking. I'm going to look it up while we're on, the, on this podcast. Okay. So, uh, her most famous book is titled Grapefruit. It was uh, published in 1964, and it's basically a set of instructions through which the art is completed either literally or in the imagination of the viewer participant. One example is um, is called the hide-and-seek piece, where literally everybody goes home and hides, and everybody's supposed to forget about everybody, and then they're supposed to hide until everybody dies i don't understand that at all but <laughs> that, that is amazing. apparently the set of uh, instructions that <laughs> are actually my childhood book. actually <laughs> <laughs> oh my god can um, i sorry can i share some of these tweets with you yes <laughs> so this one is from march 3rd that was yesterday i don't manage my time priorities priorities manage me I'm going to read one more. This is from seven hours ago, so it's hot off the tweet press. I hope to stay on Earth planet, not planet Earth, on Earth planet until I feel fulfilled. I would like to stay healthy and see life bringing smiles to people's hearts. Okay, Oko. Yoko. I call her Oko. (laughs) Look, I'm three drinks in and I just cracked my fourth one while you were talking. Um, On that note, let me take a sip. Yeah, girl. I'm trying to see. There's a whole. My here's here. Okay, I'm gonna end on this one. February 27th. My favorite place to go is inside me. She's deep, dude. She's real deep. Real deep. Real. Which brings us to this incredible and very deep film I'm about to tell you about. (gasps) Um. So she made 16 short films uh, between 1964 and 1971, um, but her most popular which is a flexus film is called simply number four but it's also referred to as bottoms and it is five and a half minutes long and it consists of a series of close-ups of human butts walking on a treadmill the screen is divided into four almost equal sections by the elements of the gluteal clef and the horizontal gluteal crease those are my and favorite then- body parts <laughs> And there's a soundtrack that's playing during the film, which consists of interviews with those who are being filmed. So I guess it's just like, like imagine like you walking on a treadmill and somebody is just filming your ass cheeks as they are moving. (laughs) And then like you're being interviewed in the process. I think about that every fucking day. I just fantasize about that. I mean, it sounds fun, like really fun. But not if you have, like, a really non-toned, saggy ass. Why did you um, have to come after me like that? That's just, un- <laughs> just uncalled for. I also love the idea of, like, her emphasis on interactive art. That's super cool. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, super cool. Um, so that's, like, a couple of the, like, her most famous art pieces. But she's also done, like, a shitload of philanthropic philanthropic work. Um, so this is another thing that I think is fucking hysterical. She staged an imaginary MoMA exhibit to protest its collection's lack of female artists. Yes! But, like, how do you have an imaginary exhibit? How did she do it? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) You just close your eyes real tight and think about shit. (laughs) Um, she was also named the first global alt- autism ambassador by the autism speaks organization after creating artwork um related around like autism awareness which is pretty cool um she helped establish an annual music uh, competition for songwriters uh that were in the contemporary music genre to honor john lennon's memory and she basically has given like over three hundred thousand dollars to young musicians in the united states like through this scholarship program um she's funded the construction and maintenance of the strawberry fields memorial in manhattan central park which is directly across the street from where john lennon was shot Um, And she actually still lives in that same apartment today, which is like, I can only imagine how horrible that is. Like, why is she still there? I could never do that. Oh my God. Um, Why is she still there? I don't know. That's fucking wild. It is wild. But I guess she like looks out her front door and then sees this gigantic strawberry fields memorial. Mm. And maybe that makes her feel good. 
Mm. I don't know. That's deep. Um, also, another really interesting thing that she did. After the Columbine High School Massacre in 1999, she paid for several billboards to be put up in like New York City and Los Angeles, which bore the image of John Lennon's blood-splashed glasses that like like an actual picture of what his glasses looked like after he was murdered oh my God. um to promote gun control awareness Ah, uh, that's so heavy i know um oh, God bless her she has also designed t-shirts for fashion against aids campaign um and a collection of hiv and aids awarenesses and i guess they were distributed like with h&m with the statement imagine peace depicted in 21 different languages okay like where are these shirts at i've never seen them does she go to sleep ever like she (laughs) this bitch is busy she's so busy she's so (laughs) fucking busy um she has also co-founded artists against fracking with her son sean which is in lobby against drilling for natural gas in new york state um she's received the dr rayner hildebrandt human rights award um for like basically recognizing her affiliation with like commitment to human rights i guess um and she has also given tons and tons and tons of money to like disaster relief in other countries like especially when um like tsunamis came in or like hurricanes or whatever she just starts throwing money at them and it's like please like take this and do something with it wow i know um and then this other really fun fact about her that i love is that she's obsessed with lady gaga i did so i actually knew that that's the one besides the fact that she is like a terrible monster that broke up the beatles the only other thing i've ever heard about her which i'm obviously saying that ironically but the only other thing i've ever heard about her was that she let lady gaga come and play john's white piano grand piano did she yes like very pretty early in gaga's career like this was like the late 2000s so this was a hot minute ago yeah she loves her which i love which i I know i know and also it's like of course she loves her like lady gaga's weird as fuck and yoko's weird as fuck so it's like why wouldn't they love each other so yeah that's kind of pretty much the gist of i mean i i kind of like left out a lot of stuff because it's just so much yeah um but I mean, it, it's just a bummer because she has literally spent her entire life doing everything that she can to promote peace right. and to, like, bring awareness to, you know, gun violence, war. Um, she's, you know, used all of her money and fame to, like, fight for a bunch of different causes. And it's like, no, Yoko, you just broke up the Beatles. Go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's like so not cool it's bullshit That's and it's complete bullshit, bullshit. yeah and it's like when you if you were to like go around one day and like ask everybody that you saw strangers people you know who's yoko ono every single person would say she broke up the beatles right no you're totally right that girl that's what i i would have said until today and it's just like how shitty would that feel to like yeah. if that was you like your whole life you're now like 77 years old you literally up until this exact moment continue to fight for causes and yet nobody has ever given you any type of like respect respect for it yeah yeah Yeah. it's like the all the things you've done like all the amazing creative pursuits all the humanitarian causes all anyone knows about you is like this relationship to this man that you apparently you ruined his band's career which is yeah and so i did a little bit more research on like the whole theory behind how or why she broke up the band and Mm -hmm. like it's legit bullshit so like pretty much like once her and john lennon started dating she like you had kind of mentioned earlier like she inspired him to like start you know experimenting with other types of music start writing other types of lyrics um start doing different collaborations and it yeah it did pull away from the beatles but like sorry not sorry motherfuckers like you're gonna do what you're gonna do like right it's not like you're like tied into this fraternity and you know your entire life has to be doing fucking keg stands with fucking paul mccartney it's like (laughs) she she was an inspiration to john's musical career and endeavors and 
you know, he never once blamed her for breaking right. up the band. Right. And it, and that's all people care about is that she was the one that did it. Right. Well, like if you're someone who inspires people to go beyond what they already know, then the people they know view you as a threat. Right. Like, yeah. And that's common and happens every day and it's total fucking bullshit. So a couple of years ago, she was in an interview and obviously the interviewer mentioned something about her being accused of breaking up the Beatles. And this is what she said, like quoted, the Beatles were a group made up of four very complex men and my small hand could not have broken these, these men up. Yes, queen. They, they broke up because they had reached an end, but in doing so, they also created new wonderful beginnings. When I met John, I was blamed for breaking up the Beatles. I was blamed for ruining John, and I was painted as a dragon. I had to deal with that. John had to deal with that. I could have turned and ran, but that was never an option. People didn't speak to me, and they were just rude to my face. It did hurt, and it was tough, but I always kept my focus on the bigger picture. Every day, I told myself I was a lucky person because I'd met the man I loved, I wasn't starving. I wasn't ill. There was no bomb in my house. I just had to get through it. It was a great learning curve because I had to find my own strength inside of me, inside the two of us. Oh, God bless her. Yoko owes so much respect. So much respect. So much fucking respect. I'm going to fucking tweet her tonight. (laughs) (laughs) I am going to create a Twitter account in the next five minutes and just start blowing her shit up. And I'm going to (laughs) immediately, I'm going to immediately hop on Amazon and find those HIV AIDS uh, t-shirts that she apparently gave to H&M. Oh, God, I love her. I love her now. Right? I love her so much. Oh, and then one other fun fact about her that I love, her name, Yoko, the translation of that actually means ocean child. Uh, of course it does. Of course it does. I wonder when, what is her birthday? I almost wanted to like ask you if you wanted to include this as like a tradition where at the end of everybody's segment we guess yes Yes. okay so yes i'm gonna ask you right now what do you what zodiac sign do you think yoko is pisces after close (gasps) close in what way like close in date or close in like sign okay so i'll get well okay so think of it in like in like think of it this way she is an artist she does a lot of art that nobody can fucking understand she doesn't give a shit. She does it anyway. Um, people think she's weird. Nobody can relate to her. She feels singled out. She often feels lonely. Um, she's is quirky. A, is it a water sign? It is an air sign. Is it Gemini? No. I have no idea. Then it has to be. Oh, it's. Oh, is it our favorite fucking sign? <laughs> God, Aquarius, obviously. Yeah. Oh my She's Lord. obviously an Aquarius. What an Aquarius she is. She's the right? most Aquarius Aquarian that's ever she is, Aquarian. She is. Oh my God, God bless her. I know, God bless her. She's and a, she's a very high level Aquarian. She is. She is a very very high level Aquarian. So one other thing I kind of wanted to ask you about was, do you think? And I don't want to get like too crazy political or like psycho right now, but I do want your opinion on this. That do you think that if she was white, she w- there would be a different response of um, her affiliation with the Beatles? I have a feeling it would probably not be as intense, but I think or like it would it would be less intense, but I think still there. And I would also say it would probably be more quickly forgotten. That's yeah. my that's my opinion. Um, but I think even a white woman, a white blonde, blue eyed woman, would have still incurred that much disdain, especially because they were at that time they were like the biggest band ever of all time. Yeah, but I also think I think also in addition to her ethnicity, it probably was like she was just who she was she was just like this aquarian experimental out in space artist and i think people already like that already pisses people off because it's just so different from anything they can relate to so that on top of her um 
ethnicity. I was going to say like foreignness. Um, she, yeah, I'm sure people were just like, <laughs> that's like a triple. There's like three reasons to hate you now. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's bullshit. So yeah, that's Yoko Ono for you. Um, that was fucking amazing. That was so good. She's crazy, huh? She's so amazing. And I just love that you picked someone who not only was this badass woman, but is not even known for it because they, she has this bullshit stereotype, like she said, as being a dragon that like stole the, the man from his dudes and ruined everything. Like that's such a good, I mean, like, are we in fucking high school? Yes. Like the fact that like we're still complaining about this is insane to me yeah yeah like it is just completely insane right right I agree. And it's, it's embarrassing kind of so uh yeah big time <laughs> completely fucking embarrassing it's just like i mean girl i could wax philosophical for like 18 hours about this and i probably will when we're done recording but okay yeah so I'm going to move into mine. <laughs> I'm going to preface this by saying, like, I have literally one page of notes. Um, yours is much more extensive than mine because I'm a Gemini and I fucking wing everything. Okay. Well, wing um, it, bitch. All right. So I decided to choose an artist you may or may not have heard of by the name of Grace Jones. Never heard of her. Oh my God. So I love that. So here's why I chose Grace. Well, there are two reasons I chose Grace. The first reason is because she's like a cult favorite. So it's like, if I were to say I'm doing Grace Jones, there are only two appropriate responses. And one of them is like, oh my God, I'm not sure who that is. Or, oh my God, like, duh, obviously Grace Jones. And that's why I thought she'd be perfect. The second reason is because I was drunk in a hotel bar last week or two weeks ago, and there was a picture of her on the wall. And I was like, Grace Jones, that's going to be my girl. Um, Thanks, Aloft Hotel, downtown New Orleans. You did me good. So Grace Jones, like, just give you a background. So she's a Jamaican artist singer supermodel fill in the blank she's really well known if you googled her right now you'd probably know her face she's really well known for her look and the way she presented that look she had a very androgynous style about her and for that reason she became kind of like a cult favorite in the gay and cross-dressing scene or drag scene um and she also she worked with this specific photographer and we'll get into that later on who encouraged her to kind of keep these very angular looks to her so she'd have almost like a what do you call it like a a crop top (laughs) is that what you call it what like her head yeah you know what i mean like from house party i should know this but she just had like a square haircut and she had these Uh, oh like a a short top is that what it's called sure yeah short shock (laughs) we're like short top is that between second and third i'm not sure um so and she had so she had this very angular look to her face also just the way her face was shaped she had this like very sharp jawline it's a flat top flat top (laughs) yes yes (laughs) yes i'm sorry i couldn't get past that until i like found the the right word obviously i didn't do much research uh it's fine so she had just this very unique and at that time really almost kind of like controversial look to her. And on top of the way that her kind of face and outfit sat on her, she also just kind of had this menacing style to the way she would pose. Like a lot of the time she'd kind of be like snarling at the camera, just making these grotesque kind of faces. And so people who are kind of out of the mainstream are sort of obsessed with her. Um, and I'm one of those people. So she has okay. a super interesting background, in my opinion. So she was born in Jamaica, in Spanish town. And here's already the most amazing thing. In 1948 or 52, depending on the source, which to me is like, if you're like, there is nothing more telling of a badass legendary bitch than people debating your birth date. People are like, like that I think is just the most mythological thing ever. Like you're so mysterious that people can't even agree on when you were born. And I just fucking love that idea. That's There's, crazy. Isn't that wild? And this is like, you know, this is the 40s. This isn't fucking 1867. You know, like we had records. Things <laughs> like 
things existed. But what I, there's a similar debate here in New Orleans about when Louis Armstrong was born. There's like a huge debate around that. And I just feel so guys, anyone who's listening right now, if you want to just immediately increase your mystique factor, just give out different birth dates anytime someone asks you for a birthday. And people will be like, oh my God, like, who are you? Um, probably also a good way to evade the IRS. So I'm just going to recommend y'all do that. So she was born either, uh, I'm not going to say the date, because I'm going to have you guess her sign, um, but sometime in 1948 or 1952 in Jamaica in Spanish town, depending on who you ask. Um, And so she was raised, so she, you know, like I was saying, she became this like kind of like culty, um, very androgynous, cross-dressy, just gender fuck artist. But she comes from this like super strict Christian background, which I'm kind of obsessed with. Not the fact that she came from that, but just the fact that she came from that and became the complete opposite of that. Yeah. Um, kind of similar to your girl. So her father was a local politician and a minister, and he actually attempted suicide and failed. Don't I don't know the details of that. I didn't dig that deep. But he had like a come to Jesus moment as as a result of that failed suicide attempt and became a Pentecostal minister. And she was actually raised primarily by her grandparents who were also very, very religious and extremely abusive. And she actually like to this day, she's still kicking it. She's still girl. She did a performance last weekend. Like she's still out in the streets and she has said multiple times that she refuses to go into any church in Jamaica because her experiences with Christianity were just so abusive and terrible. God. Um, Yeah. Really intense stuff. So her family, part of her family and her moved to Syracuse, New York when she was 13 years old. Um, and she started going at like 15, 16, she started going to gay clubs. She started drinking. She started wearing makeup. She started singing. And all of these things are not cool in the Pentecostal church. In fact, in the Pentecostal church, you're only supposed to sing, uh, to glorify God. So even just like singing for leisure, if you're really, really strict Pentecostal is no bueno. So even just the fact that she was like out trying to be a singer was a big fucking deal and a big fucking no, no. Um, so she's in her teens. She starts doing her thing. She becomes a model at 18 and she starts taking these acting classes, um, in Philadelphia, actually. So she starts taking these acting classes in New York. This teacher sees her and is kind of like, you're different and weird. You should come with me to Philadelphia. So then she goes down to Philadelphia and starts acting. She starts doing LSD, you know, like it's the sixties. She's getting her life. She's probably fucking hanging out with Yoko Ono for all we know. Probably. probably they're probably talking right now on the phone um and so she she kind of just becomes a part of the scene she becomes a part of the the new york avant-garde scene the sort of flashy clubby club 54 kind of scene um and she's primarily a model in this early stage but in the late 70s she starts releasing albums now she I like because I didn't do the amount of research you did I'm gonna just totally fucking wing this at some point in her life she booze up with this photographer and artist named Jean-Paul Goud I think I'm saying that right um he's interesting so he has if you read up on him he's quite obviously a fetishist 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 fetishizer fetishizer (laughs) fetishizer (laughs) For sure, we went to Fettuccino? SFA, you guys. <laughs> He's a fettuccine. Fettuccine? Um, yeah, exactly. Fettuccine! Uh, <laughs> he, let, let me put it to you this way. He has said in public, in interviews, that he, quote, has jungle fever. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, but they boo up, which is like her, you know, that's her right, who she wants to be with. Um, and so he really encourages her to bring out this sort of more menacing, like angular, masculine look to her. So, so the story goes, and that's sort of how more than anything else, that's what she becomes known for is it's just kind of gender fuck, weird, uncomfortable kind of look. Um, and she's been in, she did a lot of albums that are very, is it a contralto? Again, I didn't do any goddamn research, but she basically, does like a lot of talk talk singing so she'll just be like i'm in this song 
you don't know about me. But like people loved it. Like the gays ate it up. They were all about it. It was like in the clubs. Um, And then she also did a ton of movies, but they were all like very weird roles. So she was, for example, in Conan the Destroyer. She played the henchman, not the Bond babe, but a henchman in the 14th James Bond film, View to Kill, which I fucking love. She was like the bad person. She was like the bad guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, which I love because she was like the supermodel. But instead of being the Bond babe, she ends up being the bad guy because she just had this weird look to her, which I absolutely loved. She was in Playboy, of course. Um, And one of my very fucking favorite stories that I read of hers, and I watched the video of this, and I highly recommend you YouTube it and check it out. On live TV, she slapped a talk show host across the face because he was being rude to her. So he's basically, his name is Russell Hardy, H-A-R-T-Y. And he's sitting there. I don't even know who he's talking to. It's like some two old white guys. And she, like, they're to his left and she's to his right. And he keeps turning his back to her to talk to them. And she's like, if you turn your back to me one more time. And he turns his back to her. And she, girl, she just paws the shit out of his face like a cat playing with a mouse like she just I mean like she hits him once and he kind of responds and then she hits him again and hits him like she beats the shit out of his face on live TV oh my god 1981 do they like kick her out (laughs) I so the clip wasn't that long I don't actually know um but that's I I read in multiple articles that multiple people have conducted polls trying to figure out like what the most shocking moment on live TV was and consistently she tops number one with that just like beating the shit out of a talk show host on live tv um but i love it because he's giving because he's being a dick to her and he's like by his body language you can tell he's just like you're nothing and she's like i'm fucking grace jones and i'm 100 of something and she lets him know what it is and i love it um but she's also just really known god yours is gonna be so much longer than mine mine's like 10 minutes um i think like why i find her so fascinating is she's kind of Similar to Yoko Ono, she was just like all over the place. She's kind of dabbled in everything, in music, in TV, in movies, in modeling, in photography. She's just an all-around avant-garde artist. There was a movie, um, a little documentary clip that I watched of hers and something she talked about that I love. She was like, I was just so full of rage in my youth. You know, like she came from, like I said, this very abusive, extremely rigidly religious household. And it kind of like powered this kind of like scary intimidating vibe that she had and everything she did and so that's why i was just i've always been really drawn to her i think she's so interesting um this it's funny to talk about her on a podcast because i feel like you have to see her to appreciate the full effect so y'all definitely go google her oh well i did google her in that flat type or flat top hat hairstyle is like like you can't fuck around with that shit she's just a badass no, you have to own the shit out of that. Like, you can't, you can't, like, be an insecure person and be like, oh, I want to have a flat top and just kind of, like, <laughs> close up, clam up your body and, like, walk out the door looking apologetic. No, you have to be, like, all the way bad bitch. My dick is 10 inches long to be able to rock the shit out of that. You know what I mean? <laughs> she um, probably would have a huge dick. She, oh, absolutely. I'm sure she's packing heat. Like, no doubt about it. <laughs> Um, but I think like why I chose her is she's just like, she's just one of those people who's just consistently done whatever the fuck she wanted. And that's her defining characteristic more than anything else besides her look. And there's actually like this beautiful story that I found, or I think it's beautiful. So she actually went to Arnold Schwarzenegger's wedding, um, to Miss Shriver. And if I'm saying her name correctly, and she went with Andy Warhol like they went as a date which i think is so fucking rad they were like an hour late because she didn't want to get out of bed and so like she was like an hour late out of bed they had to fly into los angeles like that day she had to do her makeup in the airport she had to put her clothes on in the airport bathroom and she said that they literally walked in the door like while vows were being spoken and it was not cute.com but that's when you're when you're fucking Grace Jones. Like you show up when you want, how you want, with who you want. And I love that story. That was like one of my favorite stories. Also, her brother, so she has something like six different siblings, which is just way too many siblings. I have two mm-hmm. and I hate them both. So it's like I can't <laughs> imagine 
having six, four additional siblings I have to hate every day. God, that sounds torturous. So much work. But so she has a brother who's like a famous Pentecostal minister. He runs like a mega church. Um, so those, they're like the two famous people in their family. And he's like this well-known, super religious dude. And she's this woman who shows up late to Arnold Schwarzenegger's wedding, dresses like a man half the time, and slaps TV hosts on live television. <laughs> I love her. I fucking love that. I just absolutely love it. Um, and, you know, like her, she has like her more famous songs are um, Slave to the Rhythm. She did a pretty famous cover of La Vie en Rose. Um, Pull Up to the Bumper. I've seen that face before. Her, I love the name of this album. Her most popular album was from 1980, and it's called Warm Leatherette, which just fills my imagination with all kinds of beautiful Wait, imagery. Wait, so what happened with her boo-boo? Is he still in the picture? They split. They had a child together. They never married. So they were kind of like off and on for years and years, for decades. Okay. Um, they never married. They did have, a, they did have I think, one kid together. This is where it would have been good for me to do research. Um, she is now a grandmother, which is like kind of wild to think about. Um, and she, I don't know, let's just say I'm looking at Wikipedia as we speak. No, I don't know. Um, but he's like well known for being with very dark, um, often like African descent women. Like he. And what is he? What's so he, he what? He's white. He's oh, white. Okay. Yeah, he's a white guy. And he's primarily a photographer, but he was also, I think, a creative director or like a graphic designer. I think he was Vogue's creative director. Again, I'm obviously making all of this up. Um, If it wasn't Vogue, then it was like Vanity Fair. It was one of the two of them. Um, So he just like, that's what he did. He just worked with these supermodels. And every time like a very dark ebony woman came along, he just snatched them up. Uh, So yeah, I don't know how to feel about him. I also don't know how to feel about the fact that he kind of takes he claims responsibility for her particular image which you know i can't i wasn't there i can't speak on it but i'm also kind of like get over yourself like you didn't create this woman you just it almost sounds like he uses her as like his muse oh that's yeah absolutely 100 percent. like that's what he does he uses beautiful black women as his muses Hmm. that's and he like is very open about it so i don't Hmm. we don't know we don't know about this dude Jean-Paul good not so good I don't really know those will never stop coming so if you don't like puns get the fuck off this podcast um I really don't have much else to say like mine is like one quarter the length of yours because you actually put effort into yours well which I, I know wasn't well and also for. like ugh, I knew mine was gonna be long because there's just so much fucking shit that she did and I didn't want to leave any of it out because I thought it was so important right um but she's leaving just out like, a crazy life I'm leaving out so much of this woman's life, so you guys should definitely look into her more. Um, um, one of the, oh, keep go going. ahead. No, go I ahead. was just I was gonna guess the zodiac. Oh uh, wait, before we do that, um, I did want to add another thing that I loved. So when she she at one point in her life early on, she was a runway model in Paris, of course, as we all are at some point in our lives. And she lived in an apartment with Jerry Hall and Jessica Lange, which I, like, I just love that because I love Jessica Lange. Um, also, like, can you imagine just, like, for a few months, like, moving into an apartment in Paris with celebrities? You're like, oh, no. like, I am a model and you're an actress, so we should live together. Like, who else would you live with? You're not going to live with, like, the baker down the street. Like, you have to live with other, you know what I mean? Like, that's got to be really hard if you're looking for a roommate as, like, a yeah. famous person. You're like, well, I can't just fucking... <laughs> Can't just stay with someone I found on Craigslist. I have but to also, stay like, with... why do you need roommates if you're famous? Because she was only there for a little bit, is my oh, understanding. Oh, okay, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, yeah. But so, like, I mean, the big takeaways are basically she was just this very cutting-edge... Cutting edge and edgy in the sense that she was almost, like I said, like menacing or grotesque. She she almost had this like threatening aura to her that was so, but was still this beautiful woman. Like she was very much a woman. So I just love that she kind of held these things that we think of as being opposing ideals in balance. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think that's why she's become such a cult favorite. And that's why she's especially kind of idolized by the gay community. 
and, and the drag community is because she just fucks with all of your notions of what is female and what is male. Yeah, and, I love the androgyny that she's pulling off. Right. Um, and I think, like, while she, you know, like, her main relationships have been with men, there was this fantastic interview I watched of hers from the 80s or 90s on YouTube where they, they kind of, like, this interviewer tried to get it out of her, like, do you also sleep with women? And she kind of, she, like, answers it and not answers it. She's basically like, I kind of do what I want. You know, in so many words, she just basically, yeah. I'm not quoting that, but, and again, if I had actually done good research, then I would quote it for you, but that's not what this podcast is going to be on my side. Um, so just like her, <laughs> her refusal to commit to any particular definition of who she was. And that started all the way from childhood when she was raised in this very strict, very religious household. And she went all the way to the other side of the pendulum and was like, no, that's not what we're doing. We're going to gay clubs, we're doing LSD, and we're going to get our life. Love um, it. I love that. I love it. Okay, so she is... I don't think you're going to be able to guess can what I her guess? sign is, but you can guess. Okay, well, my first guess is Leo. No. Um, my second guess is Taurus. No way! That's what she is. She is. Why would she? Yeah. Why would you guess Taurus? Because one, Tauruses are always late. Um, Ooh, and when you one. said she was like an hour or two hours late to the wedding, I was like, she has to be a Taurus. And <gasps> also, Tauruses literally like refuse to li- follow anybody's rules but their own. True. And when she smacked that motherfucker in the face, I was like. Yeah, that seems like a Taurus. Oh my god, I'm so amazed at your ability. She is a Taurus. She was born on the 19th of May, so she's kind of, depending on whether or not you believe in cusp, she's a Gemini cusp, which also makes sense to me, mm-hmm. that she has a little bit of that Gemini energy in her. Um, yeah, that's like, that's she's half so the cool. length of yours. I'm so happy that I got to, like, learn about her and see that I, fucking red flat top. Flat top. I'm so glad that we now know what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, you know what we said we were going to do, but that we didn't prepare for? So anyone who listens to this, if anyone does, we might just be projecting this out into space. Um, <laughs> but if if you're an alien and you want to come kick it with us, you can shoot us an email. What is our email? It's uh, Mimosa Sisterhood? Yes. Wait, confirm It's Mimosa it. Sisterhood at gmail.com. So that's the handle. And we were thinking about doing like an advice corner because quite obviously we have our lives together and you need to hear our wisdom. Um, I need advice on how to handle my busted garbage disposal. Okay, so I earlier told you to reach out to your landlord or lady to help you in this service. I think the other thing you can do, but you've already done it, to my knowledge, is to post something on Facebook trying to tempt some male to come fix it for you. I think, I well, wait, wait, I think you should like, hear. Wait, wait, before we talk more about this in detail, I think you should give more detail on what exactly is ailing your garbage Okay, so basically... The backstory on the garbage disposal is that I had created a, not created, I made a turkey chili, um, like about a week ago, and it was fucking bomb. And then one day it went bad, and I figured that out as I was eating it, and it was like as sour as fucking shit, and I'm like, this cannot be good or healthy for me. So I then poured all the turkey chili down the drain into the garbage disposal, Um, and I believe that that spoiled turkey chili is just continuing to get more spoiled and is now stuck in the garbage disposal, and it is exerting some of the most putrid fumes that I am having to inhale and breathe. It's almost so bad I can, like, taste the flavor in my mouth. So can I ask Um, you a troubleshooting question? Sure. Did you turn the garbage disposal on? I, I did actually dispose of the garbage um and i flipped the switch and i heard it like you know so it happens um i mean honestly i just have no interest in pursuing this adventure myself because i'm so fucking repulsed so i really just want somebody to come over and do it for me 
Okay, well, if anyone's listening, Melissa lives in Long Beach, and she needs your help with her garbage disposal. Uh, She has a lot of boxed wine that she can (laughs) offer you for your service. This is true. I also have some beers as well, if you're not into that bagged wine, um, two-week-old bagged wine sitch. If you're, like, manly and shit, like, if you're the kind of person who thinks Yoko Ono broke up the Beatles, then she has beer for you. This is true. This is true. I already know who I want to do next week. Well, don't tell me. I'm not going to tell you, but I'm trying to telepathically tell you not to do them. <laughs> okay, well. And I promise I'm going to do actual research. Do Send me subtle, like, brainwave signs um, to start. Okay, it's away. a musician. Okay, I will not do a musician next week. Okay, then that's it. That's all we have to do. Perf. Yes. Should we sign? I feel like we need, like, a cool sign off. We haven't even talked about it. Um, well, we don't have any advice to offer, um, (laughs) now or ever or ever. Um, yeah, I don't know. Drink. Should we take a drink? Should we cheers for our first episode? Cheers. Cheers, batch. Ah, Tastes, tastes like Italian wine. All right. Well, are we done? Is that right? We're done. We're done. Now we say goodbye. Thanks. Okay. If anyone is listening to this, then that you're awesome and we thank you. And we should probably create like a Facebook page or some shit for people. I was going to be like, follow us on Facebook, but we don't have a Facebook page. Yeah, we don't have anything. We're going to figure it out. Just send us an email. Yeah, send us an email because that will be really exciting for us. So shoot yes. them away. All right. We'll be back hopefully next week. <laughs> All right. Um, talk to you betches later. Bye. Bye.